This is what I know. We're all connected to one another, the earth and all her inhabitants. We thrive on these connections, real ones that touch our soul, fill our hearts and invigorate our mind. I have been so fortunate to experience this all my life, meeting extraordinary, ordinary folks who inspire and provoke. My name is Khadija Mhesin. Welcome to Adventures of the Soul Conversations. My hope is that they will fill your cup as they have filled mine. On July 28, 2016, as my guest Ursula May Shanti was entertaining guests at her family's Italian restaurant Malegrano in Amman, her daughter Sofia, a few months shy of her 16th birthday, lost her life in a tragic car accident. In our conversation, in fact, Ursula tells me that at the moment Sofia took her final breath, she was enjoying a decadent slice of fig pie made by her Palestinian chef husband, a moment of oblivious pleasure before her family's life would change forever. Three years later, I sat with Ursula at Malagrano to ask about that night, and every night since that fateful accident, in an honest, deep, and inspiring conversation on death and life the morning after. It's totally irrelevant to recite Ursula's biography, but I will anyway. She was born in Italy to an Italian mother and American military father deployed in Italy. She studied vocal jazz in America, where she met her husband, Walid Shanti, and had two children, Alexander and Sophia. What I do want to say is that Ursula is a powerful woman with boundless wisdom, an inspiring teacher for anyone open to hear how she has chosen to honor Sophia's 15 and three-quarter years on Earth by celebrating life, finding joy, sharing honestly, and living in a state of love. This is not a sad conversation, no need for tissues or drama. I urge you to listen with an open heart and a curious mind, so you too can touch and see the beauty and joy Ursula speaks of. So Ursula, Ursula, if I was um, writing your story, mm. I would start with the scene when, uh, or maybe I want to make it into a film, but I would start with the scene where you're in the emergency room yeah. and you had the image of your son's teacher. Yeah. So can we start there and then we'll go back and tell the story. But I want you to tell me about your son's teacher. When, yes. How long ago was that? And what were you feeling? Uh, so he was in uh, elementary, we were in Italy, his elementary teacher, math teacher, a very nice woman. And I was very attracted to her, to talk to her, and she was very attracted to talk to me. Older? I older, yeah, mm -hmm. much older. And she had lost, she had two children, she had lost one of the two boys in a boating accident. He was 18 or, eight, or 19 years old. And she basically, you could see her black circle still here. She was like the shadow of herself, what she once was. That's what I perceived. So you only knew her, the grieving her. Exactly. I never knew her before. Mm. And I didn't even know at the beginning what was wrong with her, but I could tell there is something very heavy on her chest, on her shoulder, on her whole being. Mm. And then 
she told me. And what, yet you were attracted to, to Yeah, to and her. she was always wanted to talk to me. I always wanted to talk to her. She was very, she loved my son very much. And so the f funny thing is that, uh, you know, I, I could tell that she must have been a beautiful, uh, vibrant, joyous woman. You could see that. I could see it. But now only like, like I said, the shadow of it. And you're sitting that night in the emergency room? And in the emergency room that night, in the total confusion of that moment, I felt truly like I was in the twilight zone. Out of the blue, I get this image of this woman, which I haven't thought about for years. Why would I think about this woman? Yet the image was right there in front of me, in my face, with her sadness, with her black circles, and I kept seeing it and I kept kicking it out of my brain because, come on, I have better things to do now. I need to grieve right now. I need to take care of everything. I'm, you know, I got my son. I have to let my son know what's going on. I have to take a grip on what happened, what's happening. And yet this thought kept coming into my mind and I understood right then and there what it was for. It was like a message for me. It was a message that I could be that. And right then and there, I realized that in that moment, not in the future after I grieve, but right there already, was within my, I don't like the word power, but let's call it that. My ability, my capacity. My ability, my capability yeah. um, to choose. To choose. Did I want to be that person which loses herself in the pain? Or do I want to be something else, which I don't know yet what it is. Till today, I don't know what it is. I'm still working at it. But you were but thinking- But I had that choice right there. And you were thinking of that as you were dealing with that shock, because well, they talk as about I'm the As I'm still looking yeah. at my daughter being on, a, on this bed wrapped in white sheet, and I just found out it's her. After they told us, oh no, the girls are fine. Everything is fine. They even told us the driver died. It wasn't even true. Can you, can you take us back to that night so that people have an idea? Um, you know, I was thinking a lot about our conversation. It's, I do, it's not a sad conversation. It's a beautiful no. conversation. It's one about a celebration of life. Exactly. And it's one full of hope and a lesson. Uh, but I think it's very important for us all to know the details because sometimes you know we have the luxury now of time sometimes right. we skim over things oh she's a mother she lost her child and three years later this is where she is but I'm interested in the details like walk me through maybe that night that night was just like any other night and that's how life is anytime these things can happen to you of course and I remember I was like in the restaurant, full of people, enjoying myself, you know, spreading around my vibe. Hi, how are you? Ah, you know, happy night. Mm -hmm. A happy night. My husband had made a killer uh, fig pie and I was eating it with ice cream. And I was like, God, this is so good. What am I doing to myself and my body? The guilt. <laughs> oh my God. But it was so good. And uh, I didn't know. I didn't know that my daughter was already dead when I was doing that. And that's the crazy thing. I didn't feel anything. I thought I, thought I would feel something. 
you know, uh, as a mother, you have your connection with your children is so unique. And to some extent, more than a man, more than the father, because you've had them inside of you. You've nurtured them, you hug them, you, you heal every wound, uh, you know. Well, you know, that's total BS, yeah? Mm -hmm. That's total BS. That's nonsense. I know, but and I hope I didn't. I had. Okay. Yeah. You know, was there Whether a guilt? Right was there guilt about it? Were you guilty? Were you feeling guilty? I felt guilty later. Like, how could I not know? Mm. How could I think that I am connected? And and all my life, I've been reading everything that was spiritual, um, trying to search for something, for answer, for who I am. And so I thought I'm a connected person. Yet when my daughter's silver cord, call it, snapped forever from her body. You were eating fig pie? I was everything. eating fig pie. I was having a good time. I didn't know. And uh, we got a phone call. Come on, come on. The girls had an accident. You must come to the restaurant. We don't know anything yet. Come so, to the hospital. Yeah. Restaurant. It's okay. <laughs> the restaurant always in my head. Hospital, hospital. And um, what about when you heard? Did you feel there was something, or no, were you still? Yeah. No, I felt fine. I wasn't even worried. We were driving over there, and my husband was extremely worried. My husband was in tears already because they had a, a quarrel uh, the night before, and he was like, "Please forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." You know, he he was already like talking to her and I'm looking at him I was like, but it's nothing. Come on, in the worst of cases, she has a broken arm or leg, we'll fix it. It's okay, it's all good, it's all good. So when we went into that, uh, actually we went to a hospital and in that hospital we were told that the girls had been moved to another hospital. And so Why? we run again. Because they were serious? Because uh, they told us that different people ended up in different hospitals. Okay. There were six of them okay. in this accident. And I think other cars involved. And so when we went to that hospital, we entered. I'm still fine. I see uh, her friend, one of her best friend's parents. And I see them standing there. And I look at them and I go, oh, come on. What did they do this time? What did they do? Where are the girls? still completely clueless. And I noticed something though. I noticed, her name is Selena, her best friend. I noticed her eyes. Usually they're green, hazelnut green. They were peach black. And she was with her in the car? She was uh, the mother. I'm talking about uh, the, the mother. mother. Okay. The mother. Uh, okay. The daughter uh, was with her in the car. Mm -hmm. I didn't know at that time that the daughter was in a coma. Uh, and as I asked, I see her eyes are, it's, something is going on, but I'm still not getting it, still not getting it. And I hear, uh, I believe nurses, doctors, someone saying, stay calm, be calm. And I'm like, stay calm, for what? And they invite us to look over at an area of the emergency. emergency. And somebody opens the curtain, I don't know who, and we see, as we walk, we see this bed with the body wrapped in a sheet completely. And it starts to, something forcefully starts to, uh, uh, you know, inside of you. 
And I'm still like, now that's the twilight zone. Like all of a sudden time slows down tremendously. And you remember every detail. Yes. Like it's time stretches and it's like, wait, wait a second. And my husband is saying, what? You mean to tell me the most beautiful girl in Jordan is there? My daughter is dead? And that's when it hit me. That's when it hit me. And, and I felt literally the strength go away from my body and fall on my knees. Yeah, screaming it's so, no. It's That's so what positive. I hear. Yeah. It's like I was in my body, but I wasn't in my body. I was looking at it. It's a movie. It's not my life. And you're still standing? Yeah. And then, of course, they came to try to give me drugs, and I screamed. No! I want to be present! Which was so weird. I was like, okay, who's doing this? It's so as it if was I was in it, and I was also witnessing it at the same time. It was so unreal unreal and there was a part of me that was like falling apart and a part of me that was so together it scared me i was trying to think about everybody okay, are you aware what do of, I do of, of this paradox happening is, is i like was a, um, and in the same time i was like what's wrong with me this is not human and the teacher when does she come to you when i when it really sank in that that's actually sophia and uh and we, of course, we, uh, people are crying and, and people are coming in. And, and I was like, wow, this cannot be happening. This is a movie. This is not my life. That's when, when I started processing everything. That's when I saw uh, her face. And I was asking, oh my God, Sophia, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What do you mean? What, what? And did you feel that was a message from Sophia? I felt this was a message. I don't know if, it's, if it was from Sophia, but I felt extremely guided. I really felt like there was something else bigger than me there. Wow. So I don't know, Sophia, guardian angels, God, I have no idea, but I felt like there was something bigger. Already? At that Already, moment, as you were moment. dealing with... Because I would have never thought about that woman. For years, I've never seen that woman. And did you make that promise to yourself right then and there? Yes. I even took my son and my husband. Because I had that very quick realization that it's a very critical thing that happened. And it's very easy to let be taken by the current of, in a way, self-destruction. Um, so I grabbed them both and I took them over to her bed and I told them, you promise me right now that for her and in the name of her love, we will not let this family fall apart. We will not let wow. ourselves fall apart. We will do everything in our power to be present for her wow. and to love her and to honor her by being the best that we can be. And this was while you were in shock? Exactly. While you were not inside that's your why, body? Just that's why I was freaked out by myself. I literally was freaked out. Wow. I didn't know what was happening. That's why I say, I honestly think I had help. 
I think you still have help, and I think you're still channeling. I still feel that I have helped many times. I've had that feeling, yes. So what happened when you went home, when you were lying in bed that night? When I was lying in bed that night, finally, all my trying to keep it together... You could let go. ...came out, and I was shaking in the bed. I was shaking in the bed, and I wanted... We went in the big bed, mm. in the master bedroom, put my son in the middle to protect him, to cuddle him, to be with him. I didn't want him to sleep and by himself. And he was how old? He was 19. 19. And Sophia was 16. Almost shy of 16. Shy of 16. And uh, as it turned, he was consoling me, which was, uh, I found that it was so sweet. He how? was hugging me. He was, he was holding me. So I ended up sleeping in the middle <laughs> with uh, each of my men, on, two men. The, on my side. And very, very late at night, in the morning actually, we must have dozed off. And there was that moment, I remember, when you know when you wake up, you really don't know where you're at for like a fraction of a second. And you you're don't hoping know. it was a dream. And you don't know. And I was just almost waking up, waking up, and then he hit me like a truck. The pain. Like it's real. It started. I felt like this, oh my God. Took your breath away. And now what do I do? What do I do? And I was like, okay, well, I should take a shower, I guess. Why? Who cares? No, no, it's okay, I should take a shower. I went into the shower and I remember this feeling, hearing all the cars and all the noises outside. Uh, and you're still not in your body, you were just watching? Uh, no, no, I, I am in myself, but I couldn't believe how the world could keep on going like nothing happened. Yet for me, my world stopped. This beautiful, beautiful angel, she was a beautiful girl, a beautiful soul, died, unfortunately she didn't die alone, she also, there was another boy that died, Shadi Abu Jabbar, her friend, and I was like, how could just two beautiful souls like this die and the world keeps going? Sun comes out. Sun comes out, everybody drives around, all the noises, and you're there trying to deal with this, you know? And how, what was uh, your frame of mind? Were you thinking, like, I'm going to just deal with this moment and then the next moment? Or were you already I ahead? Yeah, you I couldn't ahead. deal with anything more than that moment. That moment. One moment at a time, one moment. I kept selling myself one moment at a time. And still living in the total disbelief. I even went to her room like, come on. She oh. must be there, you know, in a way. Like almost as if I want to check. And I opened the door and everything is perfectly in its place. And she's not there. And it was a great lesson on death immediately, because death is something I never like to talk about. Nobody does. Nobody does, and I don't, uh, it always scared me, you know? But uh, I saw, wow, all her stuff is there, yet she's not there. There you go. Here one minute, gone the next. But this is for all of us. We just don't know when it's gonna hit us. So. It was a great lesson in learning how to make peace with not knowing. Instantly, at that time, that, that next day? It started there. It started there. When I saw how we leave everything behind. And maybe you, you, it becomes very trivial for you, this whole... Uh, did it? Like looking at her stuff and... What do you mean trivial? 
the, the materialistic thing. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, it was a, an extreme great lesson in that one, too. How you live everything. Like, only your body goes. Your skin, whatever is on your skin, because even the jewelry and everything they took off and they give it to you. Uh, you are here one moment, gone the next. So he put me in front not only of her death and the death of a child, which is devastating because it's unnatural, right? Uh, it's you're not supposed to bury your children. Um, but this happens every day. We got wars all over around us and, and devastation, death, injustice is all, you know, all around us. But all really doesn't touch us. It doesn't. It doesn't until it happens to you. And I always thought, you know, when I hear someone loses a child or somebody dear, it, you always feel like really bad. But it's something that happens to others, it doesn't happen to you. And In even fact, death, you don't never assume it's going to happen right. to you. You know, it's always happening to others. It's not yeah. going to hit you. Yeah. Even though that's the one sure thing. They say that death. It's the one life sure thing. Life is the number one cause of death. You know, you're going to be born and you're going to die. And this exactly. is the one reality. Exactly. That we all live exactly. with. And I think the reason why we have so much to learn from you, Ursula, is is how to survive this, but also celebrate this. And, uh, and to speak about things that are unspoken. Because I think part of, we fear, that there's a fear yes. there. Um, and there's also, we need courage to face this. I mean, it's overwhelming. So I have no clue what happens in a Muslim country and uh, in a Muslim funeral. My husband is Muslim, I'm Christian. Although for us, it never made any difference whatsoever. Uh, but it was obvious that the funeral was going to be Muslim because I'm surrounded by his family and the only Christians is me. And one so of the differences in, uh, in this is that for us Muslims, we hurry, like this is uh, expedited. We, it, it always, we, we believe it's better to, to go through to the burial straight away as soon as possible. Right, of course. Which is very different probably. But also the ritual in a way, uh, I had been to, to uh, Christian uh, funerals yes. in my life. Yes. So you kind of, uh, silly to say, but it's comforting to know what's going to happen. Uh -huh. and you know, know what to expect within the midst of this tragedy that you already don't know how to deal with. But then I didn't know what was going to happen. I had no clue. I'd never been to a So Muslim you surrendered? Funeral. You surrendered? I was terrified. Mm -hmm. And I was like, People were saying, go to the washing, don't go to the washing. I said, washing? What washing? I didn't know. Uh, no, nobody explained to me there was never need. So I decided, okay, I'll go with the flow. Wow. You know, I'll go with the flow. And I know we were in the car with my sister-in-law and my niece. And they're around me and comforting me. And uh, comforting, actually. Yes. <laughs> and... Um, and all of a sudden I got so scared because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know. I have no clue. Did you say? Did you yeah, I said that. And most of it, I said it to Sophia. I closed my, I was about to have a panic attack. I could feel it, my heart, oh, I can't breathe. I don't know what to expect. What am I gonna do? And um, it was like the cherry on the pie. It was that, of course, that wasn't my problem. My problem was much bigger. 
but you're still, still living minute by minute. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and, and she I asked, I said, uh, Sophia, please, please, please give me the strength to go through this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what's expected of me. And I swear to you, talk about being helped. I felt a total shift. All of a sudden, I felt as if I had taken, I don't know what calming pill, you know? All of a sudden, I went like, whoa. As soon as you asked? As soon as I asked. I swear to God. And then I, I went in and I decided I wanted to see it. I had to see her. And they told me, no, no, you can't go in. This is the men's side, women's side. I don't know these things. I don't go to pray in a mosque. In a, I don't know. Ah, you're talking about the funeral, the funeral yeah, not so funeral. washing. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I, when I went there, uh, they said, no, 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 you can't enter like this. So I said, okay, how do I have to enter? And people were proposing different covers and different things. I said, okay, give me something. Uh, but you can't enter on the man's side. I said, well, she's on the man's side. I don't care. And my attitude, I swear to God, I felt like, and I don't mean any disrespect whatsoever. I'm just uh, trying to put everything in my frame of mind. You know, my daughter is there and child. you're trying to stop me. I was like, try. I felt like Schwarzenegger, you know, in Terminator. Let them try. They probably never even attempted. And <laughs> somebody tried timidly, and they saw my look. They immediately Don't stepped come back. Near her, and yeah. I went through the man's side, and she was on the floor in a corner. Nothing like uh, what I was used to, you know. You enter a church full of flowers, a casket. Uh, and I'm not saying that one is right and one is wrong, because actually I found it poetic at the end, the way it was done. How? Because I, f I, I realized later that in our uh, religion, there's a lot of these outer things, you know, the flower, the beautiful casket, and, uh, but it's just a mental thing that I'm used to. Then the few, the, what you call the cemetery, beautiful, the green grounds, yeah. grounds and flowers everywhere and sculptures, and you feel like you're putting it in a garden. When we got to the cemetery, I was like, what? Dirt. Oh my God, I thought it was, I'm sorry, I don't want to offend anybody, but I thought it was like a garbage disposal. Yeah. Bodies like this, we don't know what to walk, where to walk, and I don't want to disrespect anybody's tomb, and yet I'm walking on top of them. And I was like, what? But then, surprisingly, I, when I saw it, how it was so simple. Stripped. Stripped of everything. She was wrapped in this sheet, and they took out this sheet, they gave me this sheet, and then they, they brought her by hand, and everybody participating. And I, there was a hole, just a hole. There wasn't a machine like putting down the casket with all this uh, almost mechanical movement. And I don't mean to disrespect my Christian friends either. It's just one way and another. You're just recounting I'm just facts. Saying, it's just, yeah. yeah. So I saw that somebody had to put her body down with their in hands. the hole with, their hands. with the hands, and they were all helping each other. And from a distance, I saw my son wanted to be the one to touch her the last time. And he jumped into the hole, and he grabbed her, and he pulled her down. And I swear to God, I don't think I ever loved him more. I felt like, oh my God, 
Like he's a man, you're saying. He's a man, man and mm -hmm. he's putting his sister to lay down and he doesn't want anybody else to do it. And how difficult it must have been for him. Wow. But how important for his closure, it was his sister. They got along so well. And you're watching? And I'm watching all this. And then everybody was spraying and everybody started putting the uh, dirt on top of her, not on top of a slab wooden casket it was immediately but somehow that didn't offend me at all I, I found it poetic humans taking care of humans you know and we go back to the earth and we go back to the earth and if you have belief that we are not our body then it's it's okay it's painful it's extremely painful so as you're standing there and you're watching all of this, is this going through your mind or is this now that you look back and think? I was just witnessing and I was already there being relieved that it wasn't as bad as I thought. It was, I could see the, the, the realness of it and how everybody that really felt for her and loved her, how they participated, and that was beautiful. I felt it immediately. And then later when I thought about it, I thought how beautiful it is. There is no mechanical things, just humans taking care of humans and Raw. taking another human to the final resting piece place. And, and uh, even though it was ugly, the surrounding, it didn't bother me because even there you have to make a choice what's more important what's more important honoring this soul is more important than how pretty the surroundings are and then i even gave to myself this thing okay now she's blessing this she's jordanian ground yes, yes. and she's gonna make it become more beautiful because she's beautiful beautiful soul and did you feel that you had said your goodbyes then, or was there, when you left the cemetery, how was... Um, no, I said my goodbye, my final goodbye in the mosque when I entered. And uh, something happened, like as if it was orchestrated uh, from, not me. Um, I just looked at a guy and the guy understood unwrap. I didn't even spoke a word. He started unwrapping and I got closer and I kissed her face and her lips and I didn't care anymore that it was a cold body. It was her body and even though I knew she wasn't in it, it was part of her. It had been part of her so to me it was... Did you feel it was her or did you feel she had already gone? Well, I knew her soul wasn't in there, but still, for me, her body was holy as well. That's the body I hugged every day. That's the body I nurtured every day. So that's all I had right then to say goodbye to physically. And so I kneeled down because it's on the floor and I kissed her and I gave her my last goodbyes and last wishes. And in the same time, the funny thing is that I realized that a lot of guys that were in the mosque, and some of them were my nephews, 
I realized later. They created a semi-circle behind me without me saying a word to give me the privacy. So I thought it was magical. In the fear of, oh my God, what's going to happen? The best possible scenario then happened in a way I felt like taken care of. Just like you were taken care so, of that first night yeah. by your men and you had yeah. a bigger circle of yeah. men. It was like orchestrated by, I guess there was a, a communication between the beings that were there. That's beyond. That was beyond yes. our world, words. So, but no, I keep saying, I keep talking to my daughter all the time. Of course. I I'm said my goodbyes to her many times. And even though I'm telling you that I knew that there was a conscious choice about how you want to grieve. Do you want to grieve by destroying your life or do you want to grieve by celebrating her life and making the best of yours? Still, that doesn't mean I didn't grieve. I grieved tremendously. And you grieve and you still and, grieve and you And I'm still to grieving. But, you know, Ursula, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but... Um, so I heard about your story from the, from the background, and I was watching, I think the whole, it shook the whole town. Um, and one thing I think that surprises everybody is your strength. And they say you are strong, and you're talking about this right now, because you're spiritual. And uh, going back to the image of your son's teacher, and you know all the I'm sure you received messages and you had visions and and you were kind of prepared for this. Um, having experienced this and you continue to experience this, do you think uh, another mother would be able to shoulder this pain to deal with this pain uh, if she wasn't spiritual, or do you think that it makes you spiritual and connected the pain? All of it is true. All of it. All of it is true. Um, you kind of have no you choice. You know, I had this thought this morning. Mm. You know when you're pregnant, mm. there is something else that takes over. The first time you're pregnant, true. you don't know how it's going to be. True. And you're like, oh my God, I'm going to make another human. How is it possible? True. Um, what am I going to do? You know? Yet, Step by step, there is something that guides you, and there is something, there is an inner knowing that you have to. It's going to happen. Yeah, the baby is coming give up. yourself yeah. up to it because there is something. You're not actually thinking, oh my God, now I am contributing to make a toenail. <laughs> you know, it's the just heart happening. Is forming that, yeah. There is yeah. this inner intelligence which I believe is part of everything that is, and it's inside of you. And then, boom, you made a human. And I believe the same is true in death. There is an inner intelligence that if you allow it, that's what I found for myself, maybe for others it's not the same. If you allow it, it will guide you. If you allow yourself not to be too much into your mind, which is a natural process, but there's also something it's hard to put into words, but there's also something magical in death. There is a great teaching in death because it's as real as birth. It's the other side of birth. And we're talking about this at the same time. I mean, look at the paradox. We're talking about birth and... And death. 
Mm. Birth and death are two coins of the same side, but we are never taught. We are taught to celebrate birth, obviously. And not talk you know, about death. And to completely put the conversation about death under the rug. You just don't mention it. It's a no-no. I've had people never coming to my restaurant because I heard, and some of them told me later in my face, how can I come to your restaurant? How can I come and celebrate and you have this loss? Which I understand, and I understand it comes from a place of respect. But in the same time, the, this is your there is people that were afraid to say hello to me because people expect that maybe you would break down into tears or uh, it's a very uncomfortable uh, ground to walk. So going back to the process there, our Muslim traditions where we have those three days of condolences. So those three days are kind of uh, permission for everybody to kind of accept what's happening. And maybe there's, I mean, I remember myself walking into houses of condolences where I think, oh my God, you know, the minute you step into the door, especially if it's such a tragic loss, you know, someone, it's older people and you kind of expect it's a different story. It's still shocking, but, but this, you know, I, I can imagine uh, and yet we do it, and yet we allow ourselves to talk, about, you know, to be there, to be present. Maybe people don't talk about it, but they're present with you for those three days. But the presence is important. It's very important. And how did you, was that healing for you? Is it different from... Well, it was uh, weird because this is not my country. Yes. Uh, it's an adoptive country. Mm -hmm. And uh, even back then, I didn't know many people. My family were not here. My dad was on his way. Uh, and you know, a lot of people come to these places and I would say the 99% I didn't know. So you're, just, so you're just watching? So yes, as people I am watch watching you. and uh, hugging people I don't know. And, um, and I realize there how uncomfortable people are around death because they don't know what to say. Even those three days? Uh, they don't know what to say. And I know there isn't anything clever that you can say when somebody dies. And that's why I always say, just be present. Just be present, say a prayer, uh, a good wish. I've had people <laughs> telling me, and this is the weirdest thing, that's just to tell you how a lot of people are so uncomfortable, you know. Uh, I had someone, it actually pissed me really off. Someone telling me, well, look at it this way. She was beautiful, beautiful. Now she's going to be beautiful for God forever. Mm. And you don't even have to spend money for bottles. Oh my God. And I will never say who it was, but I was like, really? Oh my God. I'm, really? <laughs> I mean, to talk, I talk like, about... And I was like, okay, this is an extreme. Yeah, this is the other extreme. This is the other extreme. But why? Be people say stupid things because they don't know what to say. There is nothing you can say that is going to make that soul uh, uh, heal. Especially, I mean, for the loss of a child. You know, I say again, you always, you know, this is unexpected. Have you read the Option B, Sheryl Sandberg's? Uh, no. She lost her husband, shockingly. He was young. Yeah. And I think in her intro, she says that, uh, like, after the funeral, she received letters from hundreds of people. She's the CEO of Facebook, so I'm guessing oh. she knows a lot of people. Uh, there's one woman who sent her a letter, um, and in the letter she said, listen, I lost my husband a few years ago. My friend lost her husband a little more recently. It still hurts. 
there's nothing I can tell you to make you feel better. And I, I wish I knew what to tell you to change things or to help you, but there isn't. And Sheryl Sandberg says that this letter actually destroyed her. Because at that time, she didn't need to know that even years forward, nothing's going to change. You're still going to feel the same amount of pain. Right. It's still going to be the same. Right. And that's, I guess, why people, I mean, what do you say? What do, I, what do you say? For me, you don't have to say anything. It's uh, the intention and the presence that makes the difference, I think. And uh, the people that I did know uh, really surprised me with, um, even clients, surprised me with their support. The friendship. I couldn't believe yeah. it. Mm. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And so I even thought, my God, if this had happened in Italy, maybe I wouldn't even have had so much support. I saw the warmth of the Jordanian people. It's they beautiful. really reached out and they didn't know me. And they really, really reached out. Then you also see the embarrass embarrassment of some people that they don't know why, because there isn't a conversation about death. It should be just, in my opinion, you are around the person that, that uh, suffered a loss and just to let them know that you're there. Just to let them know that you love them, you support them. But there isn't anything else you can do. So Ursula, the process, tell me about the pain. I remember Ooh. you, yeah. <laughs> um, you, it took time for you to, to, to begin to feel it. Maybe the, they talk about the stages of grief and there's the shock and then, yes. so, so the, the condolences are finished and then you're in your room and you're in your house and life goes back to normal right. and the sun is still coming out. And right, and now what? Now what? And now what? When she's still not coming back. She's not coming back. Did you think she would? No, of no. course. Yeah. But it's just because you're in that twilight zone of this is unreal. She might. You have a part of you that is thinking, okay, she's going to come in now. So that's the disbelief stage, yeah, I guess. Yeah, the disbelief, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to go into her room and she's going to be there. But... It, you know, so it's grabbing that reality that it's forever, forever in my lifetime, my daughter is never going to come back. That's very hard. I think it hit me the hardest on her birthday. Which was how uh, long after? She died the 28th of July. Her birthday was the 19th of October. Okay. Two months. It, it uh, hit me so hard. And I literally felt physical pain. Like I felt it was so painful that I couldn't breathe. And then my heart was literally crumbling into pieces. I felt it falling apart. Did you want like to die? physically. Did you want to die? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. But I felt as if I was going to die. I felt it's it. Now my heart is going to explode. I literally felt like this is the edge of something huge, much bigger than me, and I can't handle it. And I stopped at the edge and I looked down and I had to say to myself, no, no, now you have to step back because that you cannot handle. So, so you close the door. I stepped back and I did not close the door. I had to find a way to get my pain out. 
and living my daily life. And this is a process of thinking that you were aware of? Or was just, uh, is it now looking back? Or it's at the now time? looking back. Now looking back, uh, okay. But there was some of it at the time as well. Mm. In fact, sometimes I, I freak myself out. I'm like, what? You actually, that, 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 you know? Because you're, you're constantly talking to yourself. Yes, yeah. you're constantly talking to yourself. And uh, I realized that uh, I had gotten out a lot of pain, a lot of tears. You have to get it out. Was it, inst was it instant? It was there a point where you weren't crying and it wasn't coming out? No, no, I cried. Instant? I cried. Um, I cried. Mm. I cried. I, I had like muffled screams that wanted to come out, uh, but Did they you couldn't come all the way. But it's a pain that is huge. It's undescribable. It is true. Why is it every parent's nightmare? Because every it human's is, nightmare. Exactly. <laughs> because it is the biggest pain. You're dealing with this, all of a sudden something is there and then it's not. And no it's coming final. back, no changing, it's final. it's final. It's final. So what did you do? Well, and this I think where every human needs to get creative. Um, for me, I had been practicing yoga 35 years and meditation. So I realized that I would go at the end of my yoga practice, I do my prayer and my meditation. So it was just as simple as that. You kept doing the same things you would do every day? Every day. Well, no, for a while, I didn't want to know anything about spiritual. I was So there was anger. Off. No, yes, yes. I didn't care about anything I read, anything, the paradise, God. I, I, anger. I don't want any of it. Just give me back my daughter. You know, I don't care. I don't care about the soul. I don't care about the spiritual. I don't care about anything. Just give me back my daughter. But then slowly I had to realize that there was only one way to deal with it. It is a pain of the soul. So you must approach it from the soul, soul. point of view. And uh, for me, it was during meditation, during prayer, when I, every time, of course, I pray for my daughter, pray for my family, I, you know. And every time I open that door, it's as if I opened a little bit of my heart, let the pain come out, let the tears roll down, talk to her, talk to God, close the door and go about my life. Because I didn't want to be this Claudia, this teacher that was going out around always with this pain but she wasn't letting out. She, was, she wasn't letting out. She wasn't accepting it. And, and I don't mean to say that that is wrong because everybody has a different experience. Maybe right now as we're speaking, she sold it. I don't know. Everybody needs their time. But she was a great teacher without knowing for me. I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be the shadow of myself because I felt that a great love, like the love that I have and I had for my daughter, cannot be reduced to tears. How sad. And that's a choice you have. And this is what is powerful about what your experience and about your awareness of your experiences, that you say, I don't want to reduce her 16 years on this life. To tears. To tears. Because that's what we do. We cannot even mention the person that we cry. Nobody around us mentions the person because they know you're going to cry. It's nobody okay, wants to cry. be around you because nobody. Right. 
It's okay, cry. It's okay. Tears, I've never killed anybody. They're very liberating. So what? Let them be. But I do not want to reduce it to tears. It's one thing is crying, and one thing is to make the history of a beautiful soul's lifetime reduced into pain. Grief. And grief. And I decided that I want to celebrate her. I have to celebrate her. She was an amazing human being. And I believe she was the, the most advanced of us from a soul oh, point sure. of view. Yeah. Oh, she sure. was great. She was amazing. And so my way to celebrate her is to keep loving her, of course, and keep loving life and keep wanting to discover who I am in spite of what happened, you know? You said you would open the door, let a little bit out, and where are you now? I let, uh, I would think most of it out somehow, because now when I do the same thing, my yoga, meditation, and prayer, which I do every morning after tea and before shower, now it's not pain that comes out. The strangest thing that happened is that there was a transformation. Now it's joy that come out. When I think about Sophia, I, I have nothing but gratefulness. All of a sudden, this huge pain for three years is beginning to transform into gratefulness. Because, yes, I would have liked to have her for more time, of course. But at least I had her for 15 years and three quarters. I even asked my son one day, when he was extremely sad, and I said, if you could choose, would you have liked to be a lonely child? Because he was the firstborn. You would have never known Sophia, and you would have never known this pain, but also you would have missed out. Think about it. And he thought about it and then said, no, I would take the pain. I'm grateful for I would take the pain, but I would want to have her. And so, I tell him even today, you see, you were so lucky. You could have been a lonely child, but instead you grew up from the age of three with a great companion and they were inseparable. They never even fought, no. right? So they were amazingly close. So where is he now and your husband? Uh, are you all, you know? On we this? are all working <laughs> through all this. Um, I think that he, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but he was the one that had, his, had this, was hit the hardest because as grown-ups, we had gone through, uh, of course, not such devastation, but very negative experiences, and we could draw on our pool of toys uh, on so how wisdom, to, maybe. Yes, how to come back up from a great disappointment, from a failure, from something, you know? Yeah. So you kind of have some experience, which really does not no, in no, any way, but it's still something that we have. While he, being 19 years old, he didn't Doesn't have matter. that pool of experience. So it was like his first huge disappointment and pain was one of the biggest. Unbearable. So, of course, he dealt with it by pretending it's not there. So he did what everybody else does. Yeah. In fact, uh, even if I told him, 
don't go to university because this happened to him in the moment in which he was supposed to take flight mm -hmm. after high school graduation. Right. I said, don't go to university. You can take time. It's okay. And he said, no, no, no. Why? Why? My life goes on. Why? So in fact, instead of taking one major, he took two majors. And he left. And he left. He went to Spain. A few months after. Yes. Mm. Of course. He couldn't do it. To find out what I knew. Sooner or later, it's going to catch up with you. And when he was alone, without the family and the friends, in this strange place, new place, it hit him. Mm. And so after the semester, we, we took him back. So no, you're going to stay with us. You're going to go to therapy, uh, grieve, be with us. And when you're ready, you go. Turned out to be a good thing because now he's completely changed his mind. Um, while before he had left uh, to university to go and do, I want to make money type of thing. I'm going to be into international business and da, da, da. Now there was a shift in him as well because now he wants to go and study psychotherapy, psychology to help other children that have gone through trauma. So he's saying, I want to help myself and while I'm helping myself, I want to help others. So that was a good uh, shift. This is like 50 years path. condensed in one, like 50, 60, 80, I don't know how many years, a thousand years, condensed uh, of experience, condensed in the loss of his sister. And wow. But the, and that's the other aspect of loss. You don't only lose that child. For a while, I felt like I lost too. Of course. Because he was not himself anymore. He had to go through all his. Uh, which is still going. And you had to be strong for him too. I mean, you had yes. a role, yeah. Yes. And that's why us as women, I believe we, and I don't mean any disrespect to any man that is strong, but in general, women are the backbone of the family in many aspects. And uh, if you fall apart, sometimes everything falls apart. falls apart. And I believe maybe that's why I forced myself into, okay, I'm going to do it this way. And I'm going to do it this way. Almost like a clinical approach when I could, when I could handle it. Because I really felt that if I, if I fall apart, then it's not going to help my family. But you know, that's also your lifeline. Because that's your day-to-day -day life. And that's, that's what you have to wake, get exactly. out of bed for. Can you imagine exactly. having no reason to get out of bed? So it is a... See, it's uh, two aspects. Uh, in a way, I didn't want to come to the restaurant and work and, uh, and be there for my family. I wish I could have dig the hole, go in... Locked it, yourself up. ...and come out whenever I was ready. Or not come out. But it would have been a hole of tears and desperation and let me be Your in my own teacher. Yeah. So the having the responsibilities and having to cope with daily life, you know, it was bad on one side because it didn't allow me to, I had to keep a lot inside. You know, you cannot cry in front of customers and you don't want them to have that experience, right? But in the same time, it gave me a strength. That's also one of the ABCs, Ursula, of dealing with it. They tell you, like, 
continue your routine. You know, you're going to have right. to get up and shower, you're going to have to do your practice, you're going to have to go to work, you're going to have to drive a car, get the groceries, cook. You know, those mundane things are in fact your lifeline. They help you. Yeah. As much as you resent it from one point of view, it's like, why do I have to do this? I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do it. Yeah. I don't want to get up. Mm. But then it's good that you do. Yes. Um, tell me, you told me that at some point, there was a point where you felt so blessed to have been chosen by Sophia yes. for that time yes. for her on earth. Yes. Tell me about that. And when, when, when did you come to that? Well, actually, it happened even before she died, when she was little. Uh, I remember reading a book that uh, really hit me on uh, the fact that we, we choose our parents, we choose our uh, situation in life in order to have certain experiences. So my daughter was very small and I said, uh, by the way, thank you, Sophia, for choosing me to be your mother. She looked at me, she was three, and she said, you crazy? No, she said, oh, but I didn't come for you. I came for Alex. Really? And I was like, <laughs> what? That was funny. She came now for that I think about for, it. For her brother. Yeah. yeah. So because, of course, this experience is as huge as it is for me, as it is for him, and as it is for my husband. Um, wow. But no, I am very grateful. I am extremely grateful that she chose me, that my son chose me to be a mother and every day I try to be the best that I can with all my flaws and all my everything you know ah she was a gift so what now you're you're nearing the third anniversary yeah maybe yeah. right about in the time month, this comes yeah. out yeah in one month so tell me what now I mean I you're, know. you're you know we had a chance encounter in the street and yes and it was really I mean so powerful just just seeing your face and seeing there's no gray in your eyes and uh, there's no sadness on your face it's just this light and uh, and this joy and I can see the celebration now every day I have to challenge myself to choose love because every day I could choose grief it's still there, it's the, still the there. same rawness. And it's the, still there. So that woman was right in her letter, never goes away. The pain. Yeah. The pain does not go away. Uh, the loss, the missing. Uh, there's, there's never going to be a day that we do something uh, and I don't think, wow, Sophia should have been there. Really? She would have enjoyed it. Every minute of every day? Not every minute, but in the, the important things, like we just went on a trip to Italy, we went to Umbria, and I was like, oh my God, she would have enjoyed this so much. It never leaves you, but it's not sad. Besides the fact that there's a part of me that thinks that she's, no matter what, she's with us, in a different way. Uh, but she's with us, I do believe 100%. I believe now more than ever that we're not alone there are worlds and the soul doesn't die. Do you think about why she chose you? Does it come to you now? Why was it, why me? And I am thinking, I'm working at it. It's there. It has definitely something to do with my understanding. See, 
I've had a mother completely different than me. There was no love in my upbringing, uh, especially from my mother. My mother had her own demons. Um, so not having been loved and accepted, to all of a sudden being told by a nurse on the phone that it's a girl was pivotal for me. Because now everything that was done to me, I had the chance to truly close the circle by behaving differently with my daughter. And I knew this when I was 12, the strange thing is when certain things happen in my life. And I remember standing up 12 years old and saying, this stops with me. Because there's generations yeah. of women not loving their daughters. And I said, this stops with me. And we'll only have children from love. That's why my life is so weird, you know. Married someone from a different religion, different country, different everything. That on the surface seems that we don't have anything in common. But no. Number one thing, more important, love. So when the nurse said, do you want to know the sex? And she said, it's a little girl. For me, I started crying. I knew it was karmic. I knew now it was my time to step to up to the plate. And what am I going to do with it? And to end this. Yes. And uh, I loved her like I never loved anything in my life. And even my son, he knows. It's not that I loved her more than him. The love is the same. But there is something karmic about her. Because the problem in my, my family generations was woman to woman. There wasn't a man, woman to man to heal, but a woman to woman to heal. And uh, I felt it. And the funny thing, when she told me, it's a girl, I fell on my knees crying. When she died, and I knew, I fell on my knees crying. It's only those two times in my life when this happened. Did you think of the moment she was born? And uh, did you remember that? Or are you making Actually, those connections now? or I made this connection recently. Mm. There is something, though, that happened that night that I don't know quite how to explain. I felt it so strange. As I was looking at her being dead on her bed, I felt in my body, and this is going to sound very strange, uh, I didn't take an epidural when she was born. I felt in my body as if I was going through inch by inch her birth. And I kept saying, why is this happening to me? What does that have to do with it? Yet I kept feeling the memory and thinking about it as if it was going through the canal. Mm. And I was like, what does that have to do with it? Later I made my, my reasoning, because this was so strong, that probably it echoed with another tunnel she was passing. The tunnel of life and the tunnel of death. That I made my own explanation. I don't know if it's true, but this is how I explained it to myself. And with that, she's, she has taken with her this whole suffering and pain that uh, ran through the bloodline of your mother and her mother. I believe this probably has a lot to do with it. Mm. And uh, maybe, I'm not saying this is why she died of course at not. all, because 
I have no idea. But uh, there was definitely a healing. And the closing of the circle was that I realized at one point I was grateful for my mother treating me the way she treated me. Why? Because if it wasn't for that brutal you treatment, there were she every time I, I put my head up, she was like, down again, down. I'm not going to get into those stories because it's a whole different story, but it was brutal. And she abandoned me several times. She did all kinds of stuff. So she's a soul that has her own things to deal with. But I realized because you just said something about choosing your own you chose mother. Her. And I would always say, why would I choose something like this? It was the worst possible person I could have chosen. But then I understood. It was like going to the gym. She was preparing. It was preparing me to be able to face the worst pain that I could have faced. And I even, even though now it's eight years that I don't have real contact with my mother, we don't really have conversations. Did she, uh, she's alive. But did she talk to you after Sophia passed away? Like, was there? Yeah, she did. She called me, but really stopped there. I went to see her because I, I knew she wouldn't have understood. But from my soul point of view, you needed I to needed close. to say it. And I went to her mm -hmm. and I said, by the way, I came because I wanted to thank you. I wanted to thank you because you were my best teacher. Because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have had the strength to face the way I did the death of my daughter. And she was like, I knew she didn't understand. She didn't. But it didn't matter. I believe that from a soul to soul point of view, maybe even her soul understands. Maybe her mind doesn't understand, but that's okay. I felt like it needed to be said. Wow. Uh, Ursula, if somebody here and now is listening to us who's grieving, loss of a child, a parent, a spouse, what would you tell them to do right now, to do tonight, to do tomorrow morning? It's uh, not an easy thing because there is no specific formula. I can only say what, uh, what worked for me. Yes. And for me, it was that constant thought in the memory and in the honoring of that person, whoever it may be. Do not just focus on the pain. The pain has to be there. It's a natural process. You have to go through it. You have to walk through it, like walking on coal. You cannot go around it, because it'll you come up to, another way. You have to feel it. You have to go through it. But keep in mind, let the love for that person be your goal, not the loss. It's like the glass half full or half empty. But that's what, that's what I think uh, when, when you're talking about this makes me feel like that's the shift of perspective. Yeah. That's how you shift to celebration versus, exactly. versus loss. Exactly. And you move it outside yourself. And yes. Think about it. What if you never had that person? You wouldn't have this pain. But also you wouldn't have had any of the joy, any of the sharing.
so there is plenty to be grateful for, to celebrate. Is it painful? Damn right, it's painful. It's very painful, but you can do it. You have to feel it. Because I do believe nothing happens to you that you cannot handle. If you don't go just in your mind, remember that intelligence, that love that you have inside, which for me is your divine being, will always guide you. And when you don't know what to do, pray and ask for guidance. Surrender. Surrender. Yeah. I don't know what to do. You know, it's I had, okay. I had a moment in my life that I, I know exactly what you're talking about, that feeling of complete, it's so overwhelming that you just, you have no choice but to surrender. Exactly. Otherwise you die. Exactly. Uh, Which is a choice too. That's a choice. Yeah. Do you think Sophia had a choice? Strange thing is that <laughs> Sophia knew. She knew. She knew. You knew, and your husband knew. Well, but I never wanted to become fully aware of it. How did Sophia know? I realized that uh, she left. See, her room was her canvas. So she left. She would paint the walls everywhere. She would paint the walls. Later. When I went into the room one time and I sat on the floor crying, you know. In fact, I was on her bed and I was just saying to myself, why did you have to go? Why did you have to go? And I raised my eyes and I saw under her desk, she left a painting of waves. And I read on top of it, waves never die, baby. Oh my God. Right then in that moment, I was like, what? <laughs> And then I started looking at the room in a different way. I was like, what if all that is in here is a message for me and my husband and my son? And I realized that was true. Just a few days after I had this thought, the teachers from her school, they brought back uh, the art pieces she did. She had won a, uh, an award. Oh, she was an artist. artist. Yes. Yeah. And sh they brought back a painting, unfinished painting, and when I looked at it, I said, what is this? Well, that's a painting that uh, was supposed to be a self-portrait. I said, well, yeah, I'm sure, because I doubt that in the school they would allow them to paint a... She painted herself in the lotus position, which for anybody, <laughs> people that don't know, it's cross-legged, like the Kali goddess with more arms. Fully naked, although you don't see anything. Uh, she has on her upper hand a watch. On the lower hand, she has uh, a, the earth with the trees. On the other hand, she has dices being rolled, and on the lower head, om. She was obsessed with the om sign. And all these days after her death, I kept asking myself what because I had seen sign. But so is it all written? Is it all written? Is time on earth written for us? Or is it decided by faith? And here they bring me back this painting where she has time, the clock, on earth, the dice, chance, or God with the arm. She cannot say, see it. Her eyes are, uh, she erased her eyes. And underneath her, there's a huge eye that sees all. Um, 
So I was like, she knew. She knew. Where is this painting? In my house. I'll show you a picture later. Do you look, do you look at it? Yes. All the I time? framed it. You framed it. I framed it. She left a lot of paintings that I realized they are full of meanings for us. So I have this strong feeling that her soul, not her mind obviously, but deep in her soul, she had an awareness that her time on earth was short. She even told, actually, it was told to me by a couple of friends that don't know each other, because you know we lived oh. all over the world. So uh, two people that don't know each other told me that she had said, ah, I don't think I'm gonna live long. And somebody even said, like, die? Like how? I don't know, maybe a car accident. Wow. And to tell you the truth, the thing that scared her the most was to be on a cliff where the car could roll down since she was little and she died. That's how she died? Falling on a cliff with a car rolling down. Mm. So, and I don't have the answer yet, but all these questions are in my mind. So is it all set for us and all that is left to us? The script is written. What is up to you is how well you want to act your part like an actor. Or is it all chance? Do you believe it's chance? Nowadays, no. You don't? I don't. But life is what you make of it, of course. Your will. Are you in touch with the mother of Shadi? No. Why? I tried several times to contact them. To, I thought that it would be a very good idea to, to grieve together. Yes. Yeah. And we did go to their funeral. Mm. Um, it was happening in the same days. We left our Aza, you call it, mm -hmm. uh, to go to their funeral, and we hugged and we kissed, and and we knew, we knew, a hundred percent what they were feeling, and they knew what we were feeling. But somehow, then we didn't connect. So you don't know how she's doing, or what's? Uh... No, I don't know. I know she moved away, but I don't know. I don't know. You can only uh, try, but then everybody has the power to choose how they, if they want to be with you and talk about it or not be with you and never mention it, you know? It, it, grief is very personal, very, very personal. You're going to write about this, right? Actually, I started writing a, like a notes for me to go through my own uh, healing. And you're going to share them? I don't know. <laughs> I'm a very, I'm not a writer, so I'm very shy. <laughs> so as I'm talking to you... I will you, send you what I yes, wrote. <laughs> and I, I, as I'm talking to you, I'm visualizing the fig, uh, the fig pie on the cover. Actually, I have a picture, which is a picture that I found in my daughter's phone of her face. And she, it's just her face with a flower. Oh. huge flower in her mouth and I always look at the picture like through you I have to find that flower let that flower be born on the pain celebrate life and that, yeah wow Ursula thank you so much to be continued <laughs> thank you I don't talk about these things often it's very very healing <laughs> and um 
it's uh, there's a sadness with this uh, joyful sadness because it it just uncovers just like you opened your heart and you let out the pain it just helps me and I hope it will help whoever watches and listens so. to um, to begin to allow this other world that we're terrified of yes to begin to even contemplate I and I really feel now like I told you, I was afraid before about death. Now I'm not afraid. I don't want to suffer, but I'm not afraid of death. I think it's I think, I think the best part of our life. And I came to the realization recently that the most important time of our life is right before we die. Whatever we have achieved right then, because then you go. And you and then, cross, and you take that with you. And then I guess what is the blessing is whatever knowledge and wisdom you gain at that moment before you die is to be aware of that as you live. Yeah. And I think this is where you are now. Just yeah. Maybe yeah. you don't know what it is, what lessons there are, but to be yeah. aware that there's a moment that's coming, that everything is going to be clear, and there's there's something way beyond you, way beyond exactly. I, this is what I got out of this. There's something much bigger than me. We are not alone. We're not alone. Thank you. Thank you.